Let's be upfront about what happens in the days and weeks after a breast cancer diagnosis. What's next? Confirmation that you have breast cancer can come as a shock. There's a whole lot of information to take in and decisions to make, not to mention the emotional roller coaster you may find yourself on. So, where do you start? How do you prioritise? Today, we're talking to Rosie Brown, who is a cancer nurse and works on BCNA's helpline, and Kat Mitchell, a mother of four who was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer a few months ago. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Kelly. Kat, can you remember that feeling when you were told you had breast cancer? I think it was sadness, to be honest. Um, obviously, shock, but sadness because, like, I've got four girls and I thought, well, what's going to happen to them and what if I've got bad genes? And I remember asking the doctor. I was a bit scared at the time because he didn't say whether I was going to die from it. He didn't say, like you said, it was what, grade two. Or well, they didn't even know then because they hadn't done any operations. But I remember I had to ask him, am I going to die <laughs> from this? Which I thought was very unreasonable that I had to ask that of my mm. um, breast surgeon. But I did and he said no. And so from the get-go he said, you probably won't need chemo or radiation. So even though it was a horrible diagnosis it was also a positive we're gonna it'll be all right if you're gonna get it at least it's just a straight mastectomy at least Mm. yeah Rosie when you first hear on the helpline from someone Mm. what stage are they usually at does it vary it does vary it really depends on um how people have come to the diagnosis but a lot of people in the same way that you talked about cash it's a big shock um, and trying to get a grasp of what does this mean for me what does this mean for my family and what do I need to deal with right now and it's not um, immediately unfortunately it's not immediately apparent to the doctor um, what what where you're going to end up what the pathway will be so Mm. a lot of people find that um lack of uh clarity really challenging to deal with those initial days weeks are a whirlwind there's so Mm. much information to take in Mm. quite often it's recommended that someone take a loved one, a friend, just someone else as a pair of ears mm. to take along to appointments. Yep, yeah, we would certainly um, suggest that people have um, a trusted uh, friend that can advocate for them and be that second pair of ears. Um, it's also uh, possible to have the consultation recorded. Um, you just need you know your phone's capable of doing that and it's just um an initial request at the beginning of the consultation but it's um that gives you the opportunity to listen back and process information more clearly later and that's allowed rosie absolutely yes it's a um cancer australia uh recommendation that people are able to have um, recordings of their consultations. Because, of course, the, the cloud lifts once you leave the doctor or breast screen's office. Mm. Yep. To have it recorded would be amazing. Did you re- think to I do did that? Not, I did not even think of it. I wish I had of. Yes, because yeah. you, you tend to so hear a questions. lot more when you can replay something back. Mm. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Good there to you go. Go. Wow. 
Yes. So, Rosie, once someone's had the confirmation at what stage their breast cancer is, usually the next step is then treatment. Yep. So um, a lot of times when people um, contact the helpline, it's at that point that they're making treatment decisions and those decisions can be um, uh, trying to get an understanding of what some of the terminology is and what the um, pathology, histopathology reports um, mean, but also um, a confirmation of um, do I just go with the person that my GP has referred me to? How do I know that I'm seeing um, the right people for my situation? Um, and uh, so it's just that whole negotiation of the healthcare system for a lot of people that's very unfamiliar. Because um, it can be quite intimidating, can't oh, it? Apart so from the fact that you've there's a whole wealth of information mm. and different roads to go down. Mm. There's also that intimidation of the medical field, not only not understanding a lot of the terminology and mm. treatments, mm. but also questioning whether one doctor is better for you than another. Yes. And that um, one of the reasons that we like um, to connect people early with the BCNA resources is that um, there is time from the point of um, getting the diagnosis, the confirmation that you have a breast cancer. There are a number of steps that then happen some people say I just wanted to get the surgery over as quickly as possible um, and and I understand that kind of impulse but um, there is also time to um, make some decisions and gather information and your support networks whether they're your um, informal family and friends support networks um, but it's getting more information. So while you can't control the fact that there's been a cancer diagnosis, there is some capacity to start controlling how that will be managed. Some people um, want to get to a team that they feel comfortable with and then maybe abdicate some of those treatment decision-making um, decisions and go with the recommendations of the healthcare team. But other people are um, prepared to question more and be actively involved. There's a lot to take in. So is the message there, whilst you understand that the immediate reaction is, get this out of me, mm. Mm. Uh, there's no need to panic. You do have time. Yes, you do have time. Um, the other thing I think that people generally are not aware of is that Breast cancer, while it's one um, umbrella term, there's so much variability. So um, what uh, what will be the treatment recommendations um, for different people in different situations will have different paths they go down. And the early days are about gathering more information and interpreting it for that person's particular situation. So I imagine, Kat, um, with your age, that... Um, Which is? 39, I was 38 at diagnosis. Yeah. 39, yeah. So being premenopausal, um, 
and being having a family, but um, there would need to have been a discussion about potentially treatment might affect your fertility. So that's a whole nother um, uh, source of... or a whole nother need to gather more information and um, make decisions that won't be um, part of the process for somebody who is post-menopausal. So... um, and likewise, if people live in a metropolitan area and actually have choices about where they go and um, who they see uh, and access to public and private services, depending on whether they have private health insurance, um, those considerations are different than somebody who doesn't have private health insurance, lives in a rural or regional area and is going to need to travel to um, access more information and and get the treatment plan and the treatment. So the conversation really needs to um, clarify for people there are steps and then um, it will depend on your particular situation about... um, the pathway that you'll go down. So I guess like anything, if you plan, if you go into a planning mode, that's going to save you a lot of maybe angst, a lot of um, doubling up and perhaps getting information that isn't so useful. Mm-hmm. Kat, when you were, uh, when you knew that you, what was the treatment that you had to have and were you confident and did you fully understand what was going on or did you feel like you needed clarification and to seek either confirmation that that was the right choice for you from the start I remember yeah he said most likely no chemo or radiation so it was just going to be a straight mastectomy with recon um, instant recon which I thought was great obviously (laughs) Um, did you have any desire to seek a second opinion I didn't I'm I'm a public patient and I just thought it's very it was very simplistic, but I thought, okay, I've got some cancer in my body. We just need to cut it out. It'll be right. And it was, I mean. So it was a case of let's just get it out. Yeah, let's just get it out. That's right. Even though it came at the cost of your breast yep. and recons- reconstruction? Yep. I think, again, that highlights the the, um, the treatment pathway of um, because of the circumstances of your diagnosis a mastectomy is going to be necessary and we can offer you a reconstruction. When I say we, I mean the the, the surgeon, the healthcare team. Um, so then you're, what's going through my mind is there are lots of forms of reconstruction. There's a number of options. Apart from the cancer diagnosis, that can be another big procedure. And so um, we have some resources that can inform people and help them with some of that um, decision-making. The information then helps you ask questions Um, and we can also connect people with other people that have had uh, or are considering reconstruction to get that lived experience of how things went um, and some practical kind of guidance from people that have been there. So can I ask, did you um, do more Um, exploration or try and connect with other 
um, sources of information about reconstruction surgery? Yep, I got straight online. I got onto the BCNA oh, online great. network. Not Dr just, Google. No, no way. Oh, that only gives you nightmares to Google. Um, yeah, straight to the source and to be, I was mostly Googling CrossFit mastectomy because I was an avid CrossFitter. So I was more concerned with when can I get back into the gym, which is not the most important thing in the world in hindsight. But I remember Googling and asking lots of questions about exercise post-mastectomy and recon and that was our main information and how long will recovery take and so that was through the the online network the choosing reconstruction yeah private group yeah yeah and that's we that would have been one of the um sources of support and information that um the helpline would have directed you to because yeah that's that's invaluable really oh it's amazing just having the information of what people have gone through and just they can – because it then becomes a known thing, not just the unknown, what's it going to be like, what's my, what am I going to look like. Just knowing even little tips, what to take to hospital. Yes. What, so you know. is it as frank as that? Is it It's a really yeah. open and generous discussion amongst yep. those that really want to share it their is. experience and let others benefit from mm-hmm. that? Yeah, for sure. And it's good experiences and bad experiences. It's, it's, it crosses yeah. – yeah. It's, it's not sugar-coated. No, it's and real the life. reality is about um, time to recover – um, when things, you know, don't go as well as planned and how people have negotiated that sort of stuff. That's that's why it's that, that lived experience is just um, so important, I think. BCNA's online network is a safe place to ask a question, answer a question or simply read about others' experiences with breast cancer. And it's open 24-7. Visit onlinenetwork.bcna.org. A lot of people, private versus public, even those that are in the private system, sometimes might be better off in the public. So that's an interesting question that has to be asked and that's somewhere that where the helpline mm. can help. People aren't always aware that they have a choice about um, where they're treated and the fact that they... Um, could be treated as a private patient in a public hospital if a particular surgeon operates, um, that they see privately operates also in the public sector um, and that they can swap between the two systems for different parts of their treatment. Uh, so, so that is possible. What's some of the ways that you can sort of toggle between the two? So people might choose to see a private a surgeon privately because of their um, qualifications and if they're having a, a reconstructive um, procedure, but then have their radiotherapy through a publicly funded um, hospital, public hospital, um, to reduce out-of-pocket costs. Um, we, we really guide people towards contacting their private insurer and finding out um, what is covered and being mindful of the fact that uh, in addition to the costs or the charges from the surgeon, there will be other health professionals, um, an anaesthetist, pathologist fees, and uh, they, these can accumulate very rapidly um, ongoing visits to hospital, private cover um, covers 
time in hospital. If you're seeing a consultant um, for a day visit, uh, that's not rebateable. And, and people just are really unaware that that's the case. So it's a and consideration. And that they have a choice. And that really. they have some choices. Um, is it so okay for people to ask about the upfront costs? Do you recommend that before they even go yeah, down that path? Yeah. So we suggest that um, it's important that they, A, contact their private insurer, but also um, ask their specialist to give them um, a quote so that they're abs- absolutely clear about what they're being charged that is not covered by their private health insurance and that it's comprehensive, it's not just the breast surgeon's fees but the additional fees of the other people. So transparency in um, about costs um, and also letting people know that it's possible to ask um, if they could be charged on a no-gap basis so that the fee charged by the specialist um, equates to what is rebateable mm. um, so that there, there isn't some shock that they are faced with down the track. Which is can be extremely stressful. Kat, even as a public patient, have you suffered out-of-pocket costs? Yes. Yep. I had an MRI that was, I think it was 300 per breast, had both checked out. Um, so that was a lot of money. And then further down the track, they started saying, actually, maybe you might benefit from chemo. So, but I was borderline. So we did an endopredict test, which was a couple of thousand but that came back saying definitely no chemo. So it was worth it in my opinion. Yes. Yeah. It's it's still it's you still have four expensive. children. It's still yeah. expensive. And then genetic testing, that's another what, four fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Which is worth it because I've got four girls. I want to know what their future holds. But it's that it's it's the knowledge so that you can make an informed decision and say, yeah. I I'm happy to um, pay that out of pocket cost for the information that it will give me. Um, and that's very different from not being offered those tests in the first place because yeah. somebody assumes that um, because you've got four kids and you're going through the public system that you are unable to um, prioritise or access some money to pay for some of those tests. Yep. Um, MRIs being part of your planning um, before surgery um, and then those other things coming you know, further down the track but it, it's really knowledge is power, that whole, yeah, and, and choice. And you're right to know and then say, I'll go with it or I choose mm. not to because really that's not a value to me. Rosie, you would receive many different questions and concerns on the helpline. I'd imagine one of them that would be quite common would be that someone who has been diagnosed and a treatment plan being devised then changes and sometimes that can be really unsettling and make someone perhaps lose confidence in their team. Mm. Is is that founded? So um, the series of – there's a series of tests and surgeries which are really um, steps towards gathering more information. So uh, while there might be um, – an idea that someone will go along a particular path, one of the results of um, the surgery might actually change that pathway. So it's really that more information is being gathered and then the pathway is tailored based on that information. 
Um, so it's not an indication that your professional team don't know what they're doing or that they missed something? In fact, it's an indication that your team is really um, looking at all of the important bits of information and then tailoring a treatment plan that's best for you rather than having made an error somewhere. I think the whole loss of control mm. with um, a diagnosis and your, your world being flipped, you know, upside down, um, people tr- really try and latch on to clarity in a clear path. And um, the, the reality is that there needs to be a certain amount of information gathered before the pathway is clear. And in, in whatever happened in your situation, there was a point where they thought, is there a possibility that Kat might benefit from chemotherapy and we don't want to deny her of that um, in terms of reducing risk? Um, so, uh, yes, it's it's not that um, uh, somebody, as, as you said, somebody just thought, oh, hey, maybe we should mm. check this out. It's actually... Um, a, based on further information that's yeah. being gathered as people go along. So yet again, I think the help that's a really good message about BCNA's helpline is that you're there to support and give clarity around possibly those decisions that have been made mm. and, and reassure people and and no question is too silly, I guess, that when people ring yeah. up. Lots of people ring up and say, oh, as soon as I left the room, (laughs) (laughs) I had a whole lot of questions. Um, Now, we might not be able to answer those questions for people directly, but we can certainly um, validate the questions and perhaps help people to um, uh, tailor the questions and go back and, and ask them. Or make sense or of Or make sense yeah. of, of the information they've been given. And processing information and really understanding it is something that we do a lot of in the conversations and then provide people with other tools or resources where they can reinforce that by either watching a video or reading something or talking to other people online. So yeah. it's, it's a, a, a whole other world for people and it takes a while to get your head around what it all means. And we do often have repeat calls from people where we're just clarifying and um, reassuring uh, reassuring people and also validating that it's okay. It's okay to ask this again and we'll try and, you know, deal with it differently. Kat, you're only a few months post-diagnosis and you're still having rehab. With the benefit of hindsight, is there anything that you might have done differently or is there anything that you'd like to share maybe with someone who might be listening who's just been diagnosed as a, a bit of a tip? I'd say be encouraged. It's not – it hasn't been a horror story for me. I mean, obviously cancer is really shitty, but it's still – there's still joy in my life. It really shows you who your community is, mm-hmm. um, the people who love you, and allowing them to – be a blessing and a support to you is amazing. Like that's been an amazing experience. Mm. So as the message, don't try and do this alone. Like no, this don't. Is a- oh my goodness, accept help. I'm such a proud person. So having all these people cook for me and it's a, it's humbling, but mm. I'm so glad mm. that I did it. Thanks to Kat and Rosie for joining us on Upfront, a production of Breast Cancer Network Australia. This episode is proudly supported by the Dry July Foundation. 
The opinions of our guests are welcome, but not necessarily shared by BCNA. Please contact your health professional with any concerns or queries. We'd love to know your thoughts too, so send us a message on social media or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. For more information on BCNA and the resources we've talked about in this podcast, visit bcna.org.au. I'm Kelly Curtin. Thanks for being upfront with us.